Greetings, and uh, welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as usual, I have Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? How are you doing, man? Uh, it's pretty hot, but I'm doing pretty good, so I, I can't complain. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, pretty warm uh, for San Diego weather, for sure. Uh, we are excited, uh, coming off of the draft, um, to talk with uh, Hudson Belinsky uh, from Baseball America, who uh, does a lot uh, with the Major League Baseball draft, and uh, we excited to be able to pick his brain a little bit. Um, how are you doing, Hudson? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. It's, a, it's an exciting time of the year. Now we got the, uh, the draft behind us and start getting rolling for 2017. So, um, But, yeah, I'm excited to, to kind of get into it and talk about the, what the Padres did. Yeah, definitely. We're we're definitely excited. Uh, you know, first question I have right offhand is, you know, how quick are you preparing for the 2017 season? That's something you're already working on. You already have a, a rough outline going for uh, for the new uh, prospects that are coming up. Yeah, I mean, internally, you know, we'll keep you know we'll keep tabs on on underclassmen. You know, I don't mm-hmm. I don't get into writing about underclassmen from a draft perspective just because it's you know there's so much that can change about those players and there's you know, so much uncertainty about them. Um, not, not to mention the fact that I don't really care for writing about kids that are, you know, that young in high school. Um, but yeah, that, that process starts really early. And then I guess, uh, I left, uh, I, I started traveling on June 12th, um, looking at, at some uh, guys at some showcases and I'll head to the Cape Cod league soon. Wow. And so, yeah, it, it kind of just goes right after the previous draft, you know, hit the road and, and start researching the next year's one. So it's, it's kind of a nonstop process, but the off season's a little quieter. And, you know, once, once, you know, December and January hit, you know, I'll be a little bit more relaxed then. So Excellent. You know, that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, no, it, baseball cover, uh, baseball America just has excellent coverage of uh, you know the pro- of the draft itself and the potential players being drafted. And it's it's interesting to hear um, how in depth you guys are about you know scouting out these guys and, and getting the the best quality information that you can out of it. And uh, you know a lot of people use you guys as resources and and you know it's it's just an excellent job that the the baseball America does. Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, we have we have a lot of hardworking people here and a lot of passionate baseball people. So it's uh, I think we've got a pretty good foundation for covering the draft. Yeah, for sure. No, the passion definitely definitely shows. Um, okay, so let's get right into it. Let's get into some Padre uh, picks. Let's, let's start off with uh, Cal Quantrill, the first uh, pick at number eight for the Padres. Um, you know, coming off Tommy John surgery. Uh, it's a little bit of a risky pick. Uh, I know a lot of people were kind of wondering uh, why the Padres went that route. Um, you know, give me your thoughts on on Quantrill and, and um, whether you think the Padres uh, did well with that uh, eighth pick. Yeah, so the the Padres were connected to to Cal Quantrill really all spring, and you know, in the beginning of the spring, we heard you know he might be back in time to pitch before the season was over. But um, as the the spring kind of unfolded. Um, you know, we kind of realized, okay, well, he's not going to push himself too quickly. He's going to be very cautious with his arm. And he started to throw some bullpens towards the end of the spring. And, um, you know, he kind of really impressed in some of those bullpens. Um, this is a guy who, you know, as a freshman, I mean, first of all, he was known as a, a high school guy. He, he played for the Canadian junior national team. He's a, he's the son of, Paul Quantrill, who's a famous Canadian, um, who obviously had a lot of big league success. Um, but Cal, Cal played in the Canadian Junior National Team program. 
uh, a team that plays against minor league teams often, um, competes in international competition. So there was some track record on him in high school. And in high school, he was he didn't have the velocity that he has now, but he was loose and projectable. Um, and so he goes to Stanford, and he's you know kind of immediately fulfills that projection to to some extent, and you know is the ace of that uh, that staff in the the Pac-12 conference uh, as a freshman. And you know you're talking about a fastball that was 91, 94, a, a monster changeup, and and a, a, at the time what looked like it was just going to be a, you know, more of a functional breaking ball. Um, but, you know, what I've heard is, is that in, uh, you know, in some of his workouts and, and bullpens, he showed a, a much better breaking ball, um, which is kind of what I think ultimately kept him in that discussion in the first round. Um, and so he's got, you know, now we're talking about a guy with, you know, a plus fastball, a plus changeup and, you know, depending on who, who you talk to, a an above average breaking ball too. So um, he is coming back from an injury, but um, you're you're talking about a pretty special um, three pitch package and command of it. And you know, it'll be interesting to see how he progresses coming back. He's he's pretty much ready to roll. He's going to make, I believe, on Thursday uh, of this week, he's going to make his his professional debut and. We'll have a correspondent covering that, so I'm excited to see kind of nice. how that goes. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a For risk, sure. sure, but you know, if you're gonna go after ceiling, you're you know, high ceiling talent, you're gonna have to take some risks sometimes. So, um, yeah. I I, yeah. I like the pick. Um, I don't know necessarily if, if I would have made that pick, but I, I can't can't fault the Padres for going after a high ceiling guy like that. So, yeah, definitely. And I, yeah, you know, I think they definitely wanted someone uh, to stabilize their upper minor league system uh, as far as arms because it's really weak. And uh, you know, my theory before the draft was that they were going to take uh, college players, college pitchers that were ready, they were close to being major league ready. And I think they did that in, in both Quantrill and Lauer. Uh, go yeah. ahead, Patrick. So kind of going off of that, do you do you think they took Quantrill too high? Do you think they could have taken him later, or do you think he wouldn't have been available at 24? Uh, I don't think he would have been available at 24. There were a couple of teams that picked between 8 and 24 that were, you know, rumored to be heavily invested um, and really, really interested in, in Quantrill and had put the time in to evaluate him and figure out what it was going to take. Uh, for him to sign, so I, I, you know, obviously we're getting into hypotheticals, but I really don't, I don't think he, there was any chance he would have been there at 24, and I think that comes into the calculus uh, for the Padres. Um, I do think they were hoping that, you know, another player might have fallen to them at, at 24, maybe one of those guys that they that would have been in consideration at eight. Um, I think they kind of went into it thinking, hey, we might be able to get two top talents in the top 24 picks and then shift our money around. And, then, um, you know, maybe some of the guys that they thought might've been available at 24 weren't. Uh, and so then they kind of said, all right, well, let's go get some, let's get a handful of, of high ceiling, um, high school guys and spread our money around and, and kind of do it that way. Um, so yeah, I mean, to answer your original question, no, I don't, I don't think Cal Quantrill would have been there. Uh, if they hadn't taken him at, at eight, I don't think he'd be a Padre. Fair enough. So uh, kind of moving on down the line, uh, 
what are your thoughts on the 24 and 25th picks? Do you think uh, those were good picks? How surprised are you that Hudson Potts was selected that early in the draft? I was surprised. I mean, you know, there's there's certainly things to like about Hudson Potts. Um, the, the This is a guy with some power uh, who's going to play on the left side of the infield. Um, you know, had had a little bit of a shaky spring. Uh, but one thing about him is that he's he's so young. He, he's extremely young for the class. He'd actually probably be age appropriate for the 2017 class. Um, and so that's something to consider when you're you're looking at these guys. I mean, I think certainly his his signability was was a big part of why he went where he went. I mean, signing he signed for a million dollars at pick 24, which is well under slot. Um, but that said, I do think he's 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 certainly a prospect. It's not you know it's, this isn't a like a senior signed kind of deal or anything. Um, there's good reports on his makeup. Um, he's probably not going to stick at shortstop, but he, he might be a third baseman with some power. And and I had heard that down the stretch he was having some pretty good workouts uh, for clubs. So he might be a guy who's who's about to to kind of bloom a little bit. Um, you know, certainly not a consensus. Uh, pick for for you know talking to to scouts in in North Texas, um, not a, a consensus guy that everybody loved, uh, but you know I'm sure the Padres had had done their homework and and felt pretty confident. Um, you know, getting him at that price tag, I, I think they're probably pretty happy with that. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, as He's, for go ahead, James. No, I was gonna say he has a great first name too, right? Yeah, I mean, best first name in the draft. <laughs> can't beat that, right? <laughs> so um, I've heard from some people around uh, that Eric Lauer is one of the kind of most MLB-ready arms in the entire draft. So what are your thoughts on that? How soon do you think he can really contribute in a meaningful way at, at the big league level? Yeah, that's that's a pretty apt description. Um, you know, you're talking about a guy who's got really, really good commands. Um, you know, arguably the best command of any of the college pitchers in the class um and he's left-handed so uh this is a guy who's who's got who's got three pitches maybe no no none of his pitches are are plus i would say um you know his best tool being his command and uh he can navigate the strike zone with with either of his pitches he can compete in the strike zone with his fastball his breaking ball and his changeup, and he, he can throw the ball above your hands and get you to strike out that way um, so there's a lot uh, that he can do, and and then when you consider the fact that he's left-handed, and and you have this statistical evidence to back that up because of, you know, he was dominant uh, this year as as a junior at Kent State, but he was also dominant in the Cape Cod League last summer, you know, in against the best competition he possibly could have faced. Um, and then there's there's track record on this guy. He was a guy out of high school as well. Um, you know, was certainly not considered a first round type out of high school, but definitely had people, uh, scouts who were interested in signing him and, um, you know, was, was kind of more projectable there, but a very athletic, clean delivery. Um, that's, that's the other thing about him. His, his delivery is, is like a work of art. It's, uh, it's pretty special to watch. You know, we, we, we had considered running the, um, the best deliveries and kind of, you know, we we had discussions cool. internally about who who we thought the best deliveries in, in the high school and college classes were, and mm-hmm. um, you know he was he was certainly uh, going to be in that top three um, as far as college deliveries went, just because it's so clean and 
it's a very easy finish out front and there's extension to it. It's deceptive. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really good overall package. And I think he, you know, we had him, we kind of thought he was going to, going to end up at in that 20 to 30 range. And, um, you know, we were kind of sitting on that all spring, you know, we thought he was going to, was going to go somewhere in there and he kind of went right exactly where we pegged him. Uh, but yeah, I think the Padres are getting a, a guy who's going to potentially move quickly and, and might be, might be a guy who's ready to go within a, a year or two, um, and, and can contribute to the big league club. So, um, yeah, I, I like that pick a lot, especially, you know, if that's the third guy you get, you, you gotta be pretty fil- thrilled. Yeah, no, definitely. And you, you know, like I, like I had stated before that you, the Padres were looking for, you know, to be able to stabilize that upper minor league system, which uh, was a little was decimated last year in uh, in AJ Preller's free for all, uh, if you will. But Lauer and, and Quantrill will definitely um, you know stabilize the double AA, A, triple A level in the in the next year or two. And um, you hit it right on the head with Lauer. I, I think that his his, his delivery and, and just uh, his command is just well above average and, and he should have a, a decent uh, major league career he's, he's uh, it's tough to predict that someone will be a, a major leaguer but i think it's pretty safe to say that he has a decent uh, career ahead of him yeah absolutely um you know we're curious about buddy reed uh you know he's the last of of the big uh you know the top picks for the Padres that haven't signed um they have money allowed for him uh well within his range um do you think the Padres will have a chance in uh, in signing reed yeah, I think um, I think part of the reason that he hasn't signed yet is because of how how deep into the postseason Florida went, and Buddy you know Buddy Reed's the center fielder at Florida, and they were just eliminated a couple days ago. So yeah, yeah, you, know, you know a lot of the time where where it's a high school kid who hasn't graduated yet, or a, a college guy who's playing in the College World Series, you'll see them, you know, even if they both sides kind of have a mutual understanding of, of what what's going to go on in that deal and kind of what the player wants and, and you know, what the team's limits are, you'll still see those deals kind of held up until after the season, you know, just to let that, that finish up. But I wouldn't, I, I haven't heard anything indicating that that is, you know, is not that, that he's not signed. So um, usually with the assumption, you know, in the first two, three rounds, you, you can kind of safely assume that the player is probably going to sign. You know, obviously there are exceptions to that every year. There's a couple, but, uh, but yeah, I do think he'll sign. Okay. Uh, you know, give me some thoughts on Buddy Reed. I know he's uh, I hate to put that ultra athletic label on someone, but he has those uh, athletic tendencies. Uh, he's still very raw. Uh, being a switch hitter is definitely a benefit, but you know, give me some thoughts on, on whether you think he'll be able to progress through the minor league uh, system. Yeah, I mean that that athleticism thing is real. This is uh, mm-hmm. this is a guy who's a, a hockey player in high school, um, you know, baseball player as well. But uh, you know, had a multi-sport background and, and comes from you know went to prep school in in Rhode Island. Um, so so didn't have you know necessarily the everyday kind of playing experience that you're talking about when you're you're looking at athletes from from Florida or, or Texas or California. Um, you know, so, so he went to, went to the university of Florida and, and slowly, but, but steadily, you know, progressed into a, a, you know, high end prospect and he's got an incredible body. It's, um, you know, everything that, that we use when we, we talk about good bodies, he's got, he's got the high waist, he's got the wide shoulders, he's got, 
you know, he does the, you know, how many cliches can we throw at this guy? He <laughs> run, runs like a deer, you know, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So he, he's an impact runner, though. It, it's not just a plus runner. It's it's impact speed. It's it's game-changing speed. He can affect the game with that speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in terms of the rawness of him, I mean, this he, he may be a little bit more raw offensively, but you know, defensively in center field, this guy's ready to roll. He's he's a big league caliber center fielder at this point, and mm-hmm. um, you're, you're talking about a guy who's going to play a, a premium de- de- uh, defensive position and be a plus defender there. So it's it's a pretty special kind of starting point. Um, so it's the you know while he is kind of risky and raw in some respects, he he's also got a pretty high floor because he's got a chance to play a premium defensive position pretty well so you know kind of his floor is like a fourth outfielder right and so and then if you think about what he can do offensively and he's shown flashes you know the bat was underwhelming this spring um Mm -hmm. and and i personally when i saw him i only saw florida one series this spring um Mm -hmm. but you know it wasn't a good look at at his his left-handed swing you know so not 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 the best spring for him Okay. But when he, when he was playing with Team USA uh, for the collegiate national team last summer, and he kind of got into that rhythm of, of playing literally every day, mm-hmm. you know, you started to see some of that rust shake off. And, and so that's one idea on Buddy Reed is that, hey, maybe once we get this guy playing every single day and, and you know, not having to, to deal with you know, all the, the distractions that you deal with in, in college and being, being a 21-year-old kid in college mm-hmm. and, you know, having to take classes and you know having having to uh, to deal with your social life and all that. You know, once he gets away from that and can just focus on baseball every day, maybe this guy takes off. You know, so yeah. so there's plenty of ceiling there, uh, but there's also plenty of floors. So it's it's a good pick, especially when you think about at 48. I mean, if you went into the year and coming into the year, you know, there would have been nobody would have expected him to be on the board at 48, and he probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have been expected to be on the board at 24. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it's a good value. It's a risky pick, but there's some upside there for sure. Definitely. No, you know, just the fact that you mentioned that his defense is superior and, and he's a, you know, switch hitter that, you know, he, he probably, as you say, has a, has a, you know, a number four outfield for uh, the minimum that he's uh, going to succeed as far as uh, eventually, you know, he's, there's just the speed and the, and the defense just doesn't go away. That that type of skill just it, it'll only get better as he learns uh, the game more and more. Um, yeah, we're 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 excited to have him. Uh, we just uh, you know we're anticipating the signing uh, basically. Um, I have a couple questions uh, regarding the 71st and 85th pick the Padres had. Uh, Reggie Lawson and Mason Thompson. They went with two uh, very young, high upside pitchers. Uh, give me your thoughts on uh, both of them, if you will. Uh, huge upside guys. I mean, these are <laughs> these are risky ones for sure, but they're you know this is kind of like the classic AJ Preller Padres draft, right? Because you know you, you end up with with some guys here who could be stars and, and might be you know might be nothing. You know, um, Reggie Lawson is, is kind of like a. Um, I'm not saying they're exactly the same, but he kind of reminds me of a, a little bit of a Taiwan Walker. Um, okay. okay. Who you know came out of Southern California, I believe. Um, but Reggie Lawson, probably the best outing I ever saw from Reggie Lawson was last summer. Him as a rising senior at the Area Code Games, which is a 
pretty high profile event that's heavily scouted. Um, he just had an electric outing there and his fastball, he, he, he can pitch off of his fastball so well. And it's, you know, it's 91 and 94 with all kinds of movement. And it, it's just a very difficult pitch to, to get bat to ball on, um, you know, and, and he's got a very athletic loose delivery. Um, so he's, he's got ceiling there. Now the, now the thing is the, the breaking ball is, it, not great right now. It's got, but it does have some some natural elements that you look to uh, when you're you're trying to project a, a breaking ball. And it, it's got some some eleven to five or twelve to six movement on it. It has some shape. It doesn't necessarily necessarily have the power spin of of a you know a, a big league breaking ball right now. But it, it shows you some of the elements and, and the raw materials are there. And you, you have a guy who who's got athleticism and spins his fastball really well so you, you kind of project that the the curveball will come along uh he didn't didn't show well this spring um and you know had a an, an injury that he, he ultimately um ended up deciding to shut things down for the the season um in the spring uh, you know it doesn't sound like the, that injury is is particularly serious uh, nothing that's gonna prevent him from getting back on the field um but more of a precautionary and he'll get in with the team team doctors and, and they'll figure out kind of a, a plan of attack um, uh, with that. But yeah, this guy's all about ceiling. Um, and then Mason Thompson, you know, Mason Thompson was two, 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 three years down the line. He looked like a guy who might be a first round type. Um, he played for the 15 and under national team um, competed for them and, you know, as a 15-year-old, this guy was 91, 94, and, you know, has a big physical frame and, you know, looked like he was the, the next, you know, big Texas fireballer uh, to come out and with an easy delivery, a power curveball, you know, deceptive changeup. It looked – it was, it sounded like a pretty special package. This is a guy I never got to see personally just because of what happened because what happened was – uh, at, during his junior season, his, his elbow blew out. And he ended up needing Tommy John surgery. He came back during his senior year. He was he was able to hit uh, in games. Um, you know that's not his future, but you know in high school baseball, you know as a senior, you know in high school, you, you, everybody wants to hit at that stage. Um, but yeah, he he came back. He I, I believe he pitched in one game. Uh, towards the end, um, he came out of the bullpen. There, there weren't a lot of scouts there, and it wasn't, it wasn't a big thing. But he's also, you know, supposed to be on the same kind of timeline as as Quantrill. Um, mm-hmm. So, so he, he's coming back soon, and um, you know, kind of some of that spillover from, you know, I don't know if AJ Preller had seen him as an underclassman, maybe, or, or kind of what that deal was, just because. You know, Mason Thompson's a, a North Texas uh, or a Texas guy, not necessarily not North Texas, but a Texas guy. Um, so yeah, you know, again, similar but different to some of these other guys in that there's there's big ceiling here, and um, if it all clicks, we're talking about a guy who could be special. Um, but you know, in the third round, it's it's a pretty good value. Um, you know, it, you know, it, it kind of fits perfectly with with what the Padres did and the rest of their draft. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so we're kind of moving on from those two pitchers. I wanted your thoughts on the next kind of group of guys. So Joey Lucchesi, Lake Botcher, Will Stillman, Dan Dallas, Ben Sheckler, Jesse Schultz. Any of those guys kind of intrigue you? Do you think that it could be uh, good finds there? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I kind of like um... – Will Stillman as a relief prospect is, is kind of interesting with, with a power fastball and, and a good slider. Um, so it's, you know, there's, there's some upside there. And, and Stillman, um, you know, has had really good numbers and, and struck out a ton of guys. You know, the, the command needs to come along a little bit, but doesn't need to happen. doesn't need to have much command to, to be a functional relief prospect with a fastball and a breaking ball like that. Um, Lake Batchar, um, you know, athletic guy who was who was a uh, special teams guy on on the football team at what Wisconsin Whitewater um, was the number one prospect um, for us in the Northwoods League last summer. Um, you know, it was tough to see this spring just because of the the short schedule and poor weather at Wisconsin Whitewater. Um, but talk about an athletic guy with. Uh, a lively fastball in the low 90s and some room to grow, fresh arms. So that's an interesting one. Um, I wasn't really on Dan Dallas. Um, you know, I hadn't heard about him significantly, and he was kind of a divisive guy, it seems, um, coming from upstate New York, the the Buffalo area, um, cold-weather guy. But a left-handed guy with a low 90s fastball and a quality breaking ball. And he, you know, he's a little bit undersized, but, you know, left-handers, left-handers with, with a little bit of stuff usually, usually prove people wrong a little bit. So, um, yeah, that, that one could be okay. Uh, Ben Sheckler, six, eight lefty, um, you know, a guy who was a small school. That was actually one of the, very few guys and in, in that was picked in the top ten rounds that we we did not have a report on at the time of the pick, um, so we we d- dug a little bit more on on that one after he was drafted. And it it sure, turns out that he certainly should have been on our radar. Um, you can't win them all, but um, this is a six foot eight left hander. You know, works eighty eight eighty nine ninety two downhill sharp sharp slider. Um, flashes a change. So, you know, just talking to people, some people at the field, just kind of being around these last couple of weeks, being around a lot more scouts, trying to trying to fill in on the guys we didn't really have a ton on before the draft. And, um, yeah, that was one of them. And it certainly seems like he's something of interest. Um, you know, maybe a back end uh, starter, you know, maybe a, a solid left handed reliever. Um, yeah, I mean, then, and then, Jesse Schultons, a right state guy, um, who I think think got a very little money, um, but was you know just a competitor, zone filler, craftsman type, um, who actually he had thrown a perfect game this year, and, and right state got scouted a lot because of their catcher, um, uh, Sean Murphy, who's there, and um, let's see, uh, who else? Oh, Boomer White. Yeah. They took Boomer White in the 10th round and mm-hmm. Boomer White is kind of an enigma. Cause he's like, he's like a toy soldier. He's like a five foot, <laughs> five foot seven, five foot eight guy who just mashes. And he, he did it in the best conference at, in the SEC. Um, doesn't really have a, a pro position. Um, 
but he can hit. So <laughs> there's Definitely. something there. I mean, and the, they got him, I think, for, for 30 grand is what they signed him for. So, you know, definitely an interesting prospect. Uh, I think I talked about it, everybody. Did I miss anybody? I'm in the top no. ten. No, I think I think you hit you hit the top ten. Uh, you know, anyone else uh, within the the draft that uh, stands out for you as a real good value pick for the Padres? Uh, they got uh, Trevine Carter, uh, outfielder out of Tennessee, uh, high school guy. Um, okay. In the eleventh uh, round, and I don't I don't believe they've signed him yet. Um, he was rumored to be signable. Um, in the spring uh he can really fly uh good measurables guy um real light bat last year on the uh showcase circuit um swung and missed a ton kind of a guy with a lot of holes in his swing and an aggressive swing and out front of a lot of pitches um but had bat speed for sure had bat speed lefty hitter with 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 quick hands and um you know plus runner uh, could throw, you know, so the, the measurable tools on him were pretty strong in terms of the, the arm strength and the speed. Um, so, you know, he certainly had, had fans. He's a quick twitch athlete, you know, kind of a, a project guy. You know, I kind of use the term pro- projectable. Uh, some guys are projects. Some guys are able. Uh, this guy's more of the project category. Um, but in a draft where you're, you're talking about guys like, Guys like Reggie Lawson and Mason Thompson, guys who are projection types, um, he fits with the philosophy. Um, Jared Poche was a, a college performer uh, for for most of his career um, at LSU. Not overwhelming stuff by any means, um, and he kind of backed up at parts of his his uh, this season. He didn't didn't necessarily perform as well as you'd hope, but. Um, you know, a college performer who might, you know, might prove some people wrong. Uh, Chris Baker, a guy at Washington who had an incredible season. Uh, Jaquez Williams, uh, 18th rounder they took. And, and I'm just, I'm, I have their draft up in front of me now. I'm not, I'm not doing this by memory, just so we're clear. I don't, this isn't a beautiful mind. We were, we were pretty impressed. And I know you're not the, the, the hugest Padre. <laughs> no, the, uh, the, yeah, I pulled up their draft while okay. I'm from my computer. I'm not, this isn't, uh, I'm not like Matilda or, you know, <laughs> I can't do that. That'd be wild. But, uh, uh, but Jaquez Williams, I really like Jaquez Williams' bat. This guy's a physical prep guy from Georgia. I don't know if he'll sign or, or what the deal is there, but um, they took a shot on him at, at in the 18th round. I don't know if he did sign. He might have already. Um, I'm, not, but, I'm not sure if he has or not. But you know he's he's got some power from the left side. Um, yeah, he's he's got wide shoulders, wide hips. He he's got feel for for the bat. So he's he's a likable guy for sure. Um, let's see, they, they took um, they took Chasen Ford, a guy out of Yale who had a good year. Um, I I kind of didn't anticipate Chasen Ford signing just because of. He was he had popped up as a junior. He was um, kind of out of shape, I guess, as an underclassman. But he really, really got after it um, last summer and in the off season, and came out this spring, you know, throwing bullets. You know, ninety two, ninety five, breaking ball, not really there yet. But you're talking about a guy who's physical, had a good body, and 
um, you know, comes from, a, you know, a, a good school and, um, you know, has some upside there. And, um, yeah, but, you know, Ivy League guys are usually difficult to sign as juniors, so I'm not sure they made that happen or not. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, he's, it says he signed, yeah. He signed? Good for them. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. It's not a bad value in the 27th round. So, uh, um, all in all, what do you like? How how would you grade the draft in total? Uh it depends what scale we're using, I guess. Um, <laughs> a to F, I guess. <laughs> a to F. Um, I'll go. I'll go B plus because I think they, um, you know, I think they executed their plan. Um, I think they had a couple different, uh, you know, plans that they were looking at. Um, a couple different avenues they might have gone down. I think they executed one of those avenues. Um, now, you know, this is just me personally and my philosophy um, of of risk in the draft. And you know, if you're if you're all about risk and ceiling, then I thought they had a great draft. And you could say that it's an A. Um, you know, if you value safety a little bit more and you value recent track record and recent performance a little bit more than you know, then maybe they. You know, they didn't have that as good of a draft, you know. But I'll say you balance those those two. I'll give them a B plus. Um, wouldn't surprise me if they ended up with, with a lot of really good players um, when we look at this thing five to ten years from now. Cool, but you know that's all we can hope for. The the Padres have uh, had trouble building a, a team that's um, you know building towards the future. They they've always just seemed to either gone for it all for broke or just completely just redone the whole system and it's nice to see that aj Preller has a, a plan carried out uh where there's you know there's uh steps of of players coming in in, in different waves that should provide talent to the major league level and that's the way a farm uh, correct franchise should be built and it's nice to see the Padres are finally adapting that and embracing that you know, whether or not it'll be successful is another thing but at least they're trying absolutely and i i think that AJ Preller is, is doing a very good job of establishing the farm system, um, and you, you'll see it, you know, continue going forward. I think they have some some solid assets at the major league level right now, and you know they they may not be a a big time you know contender this year, but they've got mm-hmm. some young players, and uh, there's some some guys to like, and Definitely. you know Will, Will Myers has, has turned things around this year, and. Sure. You have some, you have a couple of decent arms. So, you know, there's, there's something going, going well here. Um, you know, I think kind of what happened with once, once Preller was hired and you saw all those, those moves that, that indicated they were, they were going for it. Um, you know, it, it kind of might have been misconstrued a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, was this his second full season, third full season? So it's not, second, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't been doing this that long and, and if you if you hire AJ Preller, you probably hire him for the long term, and and exactly. because you know of you know how good he is at at building farm systems and developing high ceiling talent, and you know he's put together an incredible staff of of people there. Um, the the front office is as talented as anybody's, um, so it's it's a good situation, I think, and. Definitely. I'm a, I'm a pretty positive person in general, so maybe I'm not the best person to ask about it. But, <laughs> but you know, I, I I do like the direction they've gone in, especially when you talk about like Drew Pomeranz and Colin Ray. Like these guys are right, you know. Yeah, no, definitely. You, 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 I'm a, I'm a positive uh, person as well, and 
I, I really do see the future with this team. I think a lot of people expected, uh, like you say, uh, instant uh, win, if you will. But I think the moves that he made last season were more of um, a shot across the bow of, of the fan base to kind of wake him up because the fan base had been pretty dormant here in, in San Diego. You know, we've been fed up of, you know, fire sales, you know, getting rid of Adrian Gonzalez, getting rid of Jake Peavy. You know, it's just it's it's one thing after another. And showing that type of commitment kind of awakened a lot of fans in the, in the area and, sh- and, you know, kind of made them think, you know, maybe this team really does want to succeed eventually and the real fans know that it, it takes time. You can't just expect to build a winning team in, in one year and you have to do it from the bottom up and you have to do it with the farm system and you have to do it with your own players. You can't just bring in free agents and, and bring in, make trades. You know, you have to build a, a chemistry, a, a Padres way, if you will. And, you know, the positive fans are, are, are see that coming and, and, and it's going to take time, but we're, we're re- realistically, I think the Padres will have a decent team by 2018 and, and be a competitive team from, from then on. And, and that's all that you can ask for when, uh, when you're a fan. Sure. And, and the, the other thing is like, it's easier to trade those, those prospects when they're not your prospects, you know, like, mm-hmm. it, you know, so like, you know, people will talk about how he traded, uh, Turner and, and Whistler and, and all those guys, but, but you know, it's different than if you come into a situation and you know you have a whole like if I move into a new house and there's a whole bunch of furniture, I'm kind of gonna look to put my own furniture in. Exactly. You know, I don't, exactly. I mean, uh, whether it's nice furniture or not, you kind of want something of your own. <laughs> you know, yeah. no, that's that's a great analogy. It's it's perfect because there's nothing wrong with Turner. There's nothing wrong with Whistler. There's nothing wrong with Ross, but like you say, they, those weren't players that he handpicked, and you know, like he wants to put his own signature on the on the franchise, and that's certainly understandable. Yeah, I mean, and 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 the other thing is about those guys is like, you know, he didn't. It'd be one thing if he had hired the the scouts and player development people who who were involved in the decisions to get those players previously, mm-hmm. you know. So he mm-hmm. he's going to go with the new people that he brought in and, and the, the people that they kept on staff who they respect. Um, and, um, you know, he's going to go with their opinions. Um, so, Definitely. you know, when you, when you bring in a, a whole bunch of really brilliant scouting minds, guys like Don Welke and, you know, you elevate, um, you promote Mark Connor to the scouting director position, you know, you're, you're going to go with the, you're going to trust these new guys that you've, um, that you brought in and promoted, and definitely, um, you know, and they so, have a track record. You know, they have a, a decent track record of success. So, yeah, I mean, Mark Connor is, is a rising star in this game. You know, mm-hmm. you know a guy who's, um, you know, who had quickly established himself as a, a top notch evaluator, um, and you know, has has kind of risen to the ranks pretty quickly. And and then obviously Don Welke is. Um, you know, has a reputation in the game as as kind of a mega scout, like a super talented evaluator. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think the right elements are in place uh, for for their for the Padres to have success in in the the relatively near future. Definitely. All right. Well, you know what? On that note, we're just going to have to wrap up the podcast because you know that's that's the, <laughs> the highlight of the podcast right there. Um, <laughs> You know, Hudson, thank you so much for, for coming on. We we really appreciate it. We just scratched the surface of the, of the questions we had for you, but, you know, we, we just can't we can't go on forever. But, you know, we really appreciate you taking the time. And, you know, in the, in the near future, we'd love to have an opportunity to talk to you again. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, keep in touch and, and bring me back whenever. It was a pleasure to do it. Happy to talk about these uh, these guys and the direction of this organization. For sure, man. Thank you again, Hudson. Um, you know, it's it's great to to get information from from someone like yourself that you know goes out and and spends the time on the road and, and sees these guys firsthand because you know no, there's nothing like uh, information from someone who actually gets to see them play and and basically gets to look in their eyes. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, I, I gotta give credit to to the, the really smart guys I talk to. And, and it's it's easier to be, you know, to talk about these guys eloquently when I've had conversations with really, really good evaluators. And, and at Baseball America, what we do is, you, you know, I kind of kind of go out and hit the road and, and take a look at the players and try to figure out who, who I should be asking about. And, um, and then expand, you know, in the spring, you can only see so many players. So I, I have to talk to, you know the scouting directors, the cross checkers, the area scouts, the the college coaches, and um, you know everybody who's who's going to have some information. and And I'm blessed to to be able to talk to to really smart people who who happen to work in baseball uh, on a daily basis. So um, yeah, I mean it. I you know credit goes to to the people who who are scouting for teams and who are really really putting in the work. Cool. Yeah, no. We we thank you for for providing that information to us and, and you know passing it along because that's that's what this is about and uh, it's uh it's about the passion of the of the, of the game and, and you definitely have that and uh, we appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it. It's good talking to you, James and Patrick. All right, Hudson. You have a great one, and uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Sounds good. Thanks. Take care. All right, Patrick. That uh, was Hudson Belinsky uh, from Baseball America, uh, providing us some fantastic uh, information on, on the the Padres uh, draft picks this season. And uh, it's nice to see that he has a little bit of a positive feeling towards uh, the draft and, and towards the future of this organization. It's uh, it's nice to hear that from somebody who doesn't uh, exactly have any ties to the team. Yeah, I definitely, I had a good feeling about the draft from my own kind of perspective, but it's good to hear mm-hmm. uh, someone out there who actually like sees these players and has more inside knowledge, kind of having that same sort of feeling. It's a, very reassuring to know that the team is going in the right direction, at yeah. least in terms of, the farm system. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, there will always be the fans that are going to complain. I mean, it, it's just the nature of the beast. But, you know, I think the majority of the fan base realizes that the team is progressing towards the future, and, and that's all that you can ask for is for the franchise to make a progression and to get better. Yep, now to the international signing period. Yeah, <laughs> the days away. We, we're, we're anticipating something uh, something pretty exciting coming on. I'm sure the Padres are going to pick up a, a, a lot of young uh young teenage talent uh, that uh, will be available. Definitely. Uh, okay, uh, folks, uh, we apologize for the bit of a hiatus we've been on with the show. Uh, we should be back in full strength. Um, we've got a couple uh, excellent guests lined up in the next uh, few shows. Uh, please stay tuned to us for more information uh, regarding the team. Uh, we're expanding our uh, our coverage of the team, uh, Patrick's doing a lot more in the minor leagues. Um, go, Patrick, go ahead and tell him uh, exactly what uh, you'll be doing with the minor league system. Yeah, I'm doing more kind of in-depth pieces, sort of what players playing well, what players aren't, uh, specific profiles of certain players, um, kind of broad overview of the system. Uh, me and James were able to get to Lake Elsinore for the first time this year. We're going to try to make that a more common thing, see some uh, of those players, obviously, since it's uh, right in our backyard. I'm just trying to get more coverage of the minors. I mean, we we obviously have plenty of coverage on the big league team, but I think the minor league was lacking a bit. So we're trying to beef that up and just get a more holistic view of the organization for sure. 
Definitely, definitely. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to episode number 23 of the East Village Times Padres podcast. Uh, Patrick, go ahead and uh, send us out. Yeah, uh, we're on Podbean. Uh, you can give us a follow on there. Uh, we're also hosted on iTunes. Our podcasts appear on there. And also Stitcher. I know some people use Stitcher as well. So, yeah, give us a follow. Uh, give us a good review on iTunes. It would be appreciated. Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, this – or. Sorry, I was about to say not so Padres, <laughs> but I changed that back. So I'm uh, Patrick Brewer 93 again, back to my old name. Uh, James is EVT underscore news, as well as multiple other Twitters. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you... the main one is the EVT underscore news. Uh, thank you so much, folks, for, for tuning in. And uh, we apologize again for the hiatus. And uh, we should be back very shortly with another episode. East Village Times podcast, signing out. <laughs>